How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. As always, I'm joined by Frank Madden. And Frank, let's get back on the roller coaster. We're going up, 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 up tonight. Get me on the chain lift. We're going up to the very top here. The Bucks might be the best team in the Eastern Conference. No? Just the Eastern Conference? That's what? I mean, this is one of the best teams in the Western. So maybe they're one of the best teams in the league. Why not? It's got to be a roller coaster, right? Like we can't just say like they had a good game. It's got to be it's up and down, right? Uh, I mean, they could have beaten the Fort Wayne Mad Ants tonight, and I would have been uh, <laughs> positively thrilled. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks taking down the Houston Rockets, one twenty-seven to one fourteen, mercifully snapping that five-game losing streak against uh, a Rockets team that came in thirty-four and thirteen and seventeen and eight away from home. So. Uh, I mean, we saw what the Rockets could do last week. They got Ryan Anderson back tonight um, after missing a number of games with illness. I mean, basically this was a full-strength, more or less, um, Rockets team with Clint Capella as back in the starting lineup as well. We saw him from the start, um, perhaps not playing full, full minutes that, that he might get when he's kind of completely healthy coming back from his broken leg. But, um, you know... Uh, you look at this roster, I mean, you know, this team is really good, except for uh, Corey Brewer, of course, who is <laughs> minus 22 in seven minutes. Um, he's incredible. He's incredible. He, I, I mean, I've been shit-talking Corey Brewer <laughs> for the last two weeks, and uh, he was minus 19 in a game the Rockets won by, like, what, 19 or something yeah. like that in Houston? And uh, I, as, as soon as the start of the second quarter, man, I tweeted out, Bucks better take advantage of Corey Brewer being in the game in in lieu of James Harden, and um, sure enough, the Bucks go on a fourteen nothing run in the less than four minutes that uh, Corey Brewer was on the court, and uh, and then they the the Rockets did go on a four zero run at the beginning of the fourth quarter, which got me really worried when Brewer came back in, but then the Bucks um, came back and I guess uh, I guess they must have outscored them, uh, you know. 12 12 nothing or something right after that because um he was a minus 22 in seven minutes i think it was so, uh an 11 run to go from 99 99 to 110.99 i think that sounds right yeah something like that um and the impressive thing was uh you know i mean obviously Giannis ends up the leading scorer with 31 points but um you know they really were able to not only um hang in the game uh, in the fourth quarter without Giannis, with Giannis on the bench to start the fourth. But they were able to actually expand that lead. And then uh, the Rockets went on a quick little run. I think they might have gotten it to like six or something. And, and then Giannis came back. But, um, you know, this was we, – we've been complaining about a number of things of lately. And I felt like a broken record talking about, you know, defense, about defensive rebounding, about the lack of turnovers being mm-hmm. forced, and about the bench. And this was a game in which – um, 
pretty much, you know, all those things largely reversed. And, you know, granted, the Rockets scored a ton of points tonight, but they were under their, their season average in terms of offensive rating. They shot, you know, about five fewer threes than they normally do, despite the fact that this game was played at a crazy fast pace, even by their standards. And um, 17 steals for the Bucks. Uh, I think, what, 20, yeah, 21 turnovers for the Rockets. So, um, you know, again, uh, finally, mercifully, a lot of those things that we've been complaining about turned around in a, in a very big way. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you, you look at a night where James Harden has 11 turnovers. That's, I mean, that he has the ball all the time. So that, there are going to be nights where, where he just turns the ball over and he struggles. But I think a lot of that is the Bucks. And again, you say 35 three-point attempts, that seems like a lot, but that's five less than average for the Rockets. And um, really everything you you kind of wanted from the defensive end the bucks brought tonight they they forced turnovers they forced 21 as a team they run the rockets off the off the line repeatedly and i know there was there was one possession that kind of summed summed it up for me that i think the bucks were happy with was they give up a dunk i believe to nene with like 3 or 4 seconds on the clock but they had ran i don't know how many rockets off the line and in your head you're thinking they just gave up a dunk that sucks uh, but it, as i'm thinking about it, it's like oh they they successfully didn't allow the rockets to get a three and that that always feels like a win against the rockets like you didn't give up an open three against the rockets that's you, you're doing you're doing something but uh, i mean you could tell that was a focus for the bucks was just not letting the Rockets get going from the three-point line and making sure that they were doing everything in their power to run them off the three-point line. And that those are pretty much always the Bucks' goals. The, like They want to try to run at teams, run, run them off the three-point line, and try to do that. And the nights where it doesn't go well and they, they don't give the, the necessary energy as, and effort, as Jason would say, or they aren't making proper rotations, whatever it is, they give up a bunch of open ones. And uh, tonight they, they really did a nice job running them off. And uh, like you said, the rebounding came back a little bit tonight. Um, so, yeah, the, the things that we've complained about for the last two weeks, uh, somewhere in there, um, kind of went back to, to, to the positive direction. Um, I guess looking at this game a little bit more, uh, I think the the major change pregame we hear that Miles Plumley will be starting. He starts over John Henson. John Henson picks up a DNP tonight. Um, Plumley still kind of plays that same role. Only plays twenty minutes. Monroe plays twenty seven and uh, closes out the game. Um, but what did you think of Plumley tonight and the effect that he had on the game? Well, yeah, I made that joke in Orlando when uh, Jabari threw a, an alley-oop that Plumlee actually missed. He actually put it off the back iron, but I was joking about how Jabari's been throwing alley-oops to Miles Plumlee all season, only Miles Plumlee hasn't been in the game. <laughs> and um, tonight, I think, what was it, the first basket was an alley-oop that Miles Plumlee from Jabari Parker just crammed yep. down with one hand. Um, and he had a number of other buckets that he got just by rolling hard to the rim um, you know, he drew some fouls, hit both of his free throws, um, you know, 10 points on five shots, um, re- rebounding, maybe not superlative, uh, <laughs> just one defensive rebound in those 20 minutes. Um, I mean, he was a minus three, so he, he was a John Henson, like, uh, only, only negative guy on the team tonight. So that, that part, I guess kind of, you know, stayed the same from what we're used to seeing with, with John Henson. 
But um, but I thought he just gave really good energy, and and I think you know offensively, um, you know it's interesting that both him and Toledovic play tonight because uh, Brandon Plumley played well tonight, I thought, and um, you know Giannis. Giannis was die. Giannis, I think, commented uh, in the locker room after the game. You had that quote yep, about. It. You uh, want to read it off? Sure. So, I, I mean, it was a question I asked both to Jabari and to and to Giannis. Was it in that first quarter? You could kind of see they were. I, I, don't, I don't even know. I was trying to read in the first quarter. It looked like they were still trying to go to corner series, their elbow series, whatever you want to call it. And the Rockets were just being very aggressive about it and pushing him away. And then that turned into pick and rolls and for Giannis and Jabari coming off. And in my mind, all I thought was, okay, yes, please. Um, I, I would I would rather see a pick and roll uh, between Giannis and Jabari and Plumlee rather than seeing Plumlee get a, cu- a catch at the elbow. So I, I asked both of them, does that, that really change it? And Giannis gave a little bit better answer, but he said that, uh, to quote him, Miles rolls really well in pick and rolls. It puts pressure on the defense. I think he did a great job tonight. And I think moving forward, I think having Miles on the floor gives us space. That guy has to commit. He's going to be up to touch and stop our lane, or Miles is going to be open. Or he's got to respect the lob pass to Miles. So someone's going to be open because he rolls really hard. So someone's definitely going to be open with Miles out there. And I, I that to me has always been the rationale. To me, that made the the Miles Plumley. Well, it didn't make the overpay make sense, but it made bringing Miles Plumley back. That that idea is what made sense to me. And I mean, we we didn't see it in those first eight games that I think Miles started. I, I never really felt like in those first eight games of the season that he started. I don't. It didn't feel like he made this impact. It didn't feel like he was that that rim running rim destroying destroying big that really sucked in attention and it felt kind of like the miles Plumley that we saw in the second half of the season tonight am i wrong in thinking that i i didn't feel that in the first eight games did you no i mean we were joking how you know i think it wasn't until like the warriors game basically that that he had like even like a it seemed like a dunk or a a, you know a bucket off a pick and roll and, um, you know, I, I you kind of wonder, I mean, I haven't thought it through entirely, but, uh, you know, with Jabari and Giannis and, and where they are as players and the way opposing teams now have to respect them, um, m- you know, maybe that, that, that's exactly what is, is helping Miles now become, re- kind of rediscover um, some of what he had last year where maybe there was more of an element of surprise where teams just weren't used to seeing those kinds of actions mm-hmm. in the first place. So, um, so we'll see, we saw a bunch of Plumlee roles that worked pretty well, uh, in Orlando on Friday, which a kid alluded to being sort of what, you know, was kind of being built on, um, with, with him coming in and, uh, and getting the start tonight. And, uh, obviously we've been hinting at wanting to see that random, uh, Henson DNP. I would say more than him, start. Frank. We, yeah, we were begging for it. it. We've we were been begging, begging for it for six weeks. So, I mean, if he had sunk up the joint tonight, it would have really <laughs> been, uh, been, I mean, I was kind of trying to think about it. Like I, the, I'm not sure I've ever campaigned harder for like a more like <laughs> trivial thing. Um, <laughs> or, or <laughs> like, cause, cause I don't like, know. Yeah, the I mean, free Mirza campaign is pretty, uh, it's feeling pretty trivial right yeah. now, but, um, but yeah, Plumlee I thought was was really encouraging, and um, 
you know, again, we talked about role players and, and the need for those guys, the bench to, to kind of bounce back. And, you know, we're, I mean, we've talked a couple times too in the last few days about how, look, I mean, some of this is just, they can't be this bad forever, you yeah. know, and, and we can kind of, you know, beat them up game after game when they're struggling. But, um, you know, you knew that, that guys like Delhi and, and I would say even Toledovich, you know, that the, they're not going to be as bad as they have been. And Della Vadova was great for the second straight game. I mean, five yep. out of six uh, from the field, seven assists. Uh, did have three turnovers, but um, you know, I thought thought he played well. Had a, kind of a, a fun battle with Patrick Beverly um, for much of the night. Um, although good old Beverly fashioned was up, grit off, they were just getting yeah, gritty. Good, good old fashioned grit off. Bev, Bev hit four out of seven threes, had tw- eighteen points, but minus 25 which kind of surprised me when i was looking at the box score so um so yeah it was great to see del vadova kind of you know continuing second straight game play well um tony snell was three out of three from three that was the only only shots he took and um i thought again he was very competent uh, on james harden had some fouls um and look i mean harden scores 26 points on 10 shots 12 out of 14 from the line uh 12 assists nine boards all of that stuff you'd say geez that was a hyper efficient night but you know again anytime you force a guy into 11 turnovers um you know those are are very valuable because you know a miss yeah you can run out on a miss but a miss you can grab an offensive rebound a turnover i mean the expected value off a turnover is going to be way higher than it is off off a shot right that that might even if it misses so um so that was extremely valuable i thought tony snell uh, coming out and, and doing what he could. And, and I thought just the Bucks in general, I mean, it, you know, you mentioned them seeming to um, very consciously say, hey, we're going to take our chances with you guys diving down the center of the lane on rim runs, um, and, and we're going to try to take away the three more than they have. Um, but I thought they, part of that was also because I think they tried to take away James Harden's driving ability more than maybe mm-hmm. they did in, in Houston. And, and you know, uh, I mean, you, you, it's it's pick your poison, but uh, obviously you look at at what those Rockets did tonight. Um, you know, I mean, the the kind of final tally. Obviously, they scored a lot of points, but as you said, uh, their final offensive rating was one ten point seven. I think they're closer to one fourteen, one fifteen on the season. So, um, so you know, wh- whatever whatever they did, it it you know it, it clearly kind of worked out. Um, in terms of uh, being able to, to force those turnovers, um, they I think only allowed four offense, five offensive rebounds. So they had a, a defensive rebound rate of 86%, which is terrific. Um, normally they're in like the mid to low 70s. So so yeah, everything kind of finally came together. And you know now obviously the question is, okay, great, can this become closer to, to the yeah. old new normal, or is this going to be a one game blip? I think uh, some more interesting stuff um, after the game. We we didn't end up asking Kid about Toledovich. Um, we asked about the bench, and obviously you think of Jason Terry playing. That's his best game of the year. I, I'm trying to think of one yeah, better, but I'd say three, so. I mean, what three three steals? All in the, it was were they all in the fourth? Yeah, quarter? three I mean, steals in the take... fourth quarter. He gets a a pull up three in transition. He gets another uh, pull up jumper in transition in the fourth. Uh, on the steals, I think he gets two hockey assists. He was, I mean, it's rare that I will say this, but Jason Terry was fantastic in that fourth quarter. Um, and, and it was huge. And obviously we talk about Terry, we talk about Brogdon, we talk about Monroe and 
kid went out of his way to say that with Toledovich, even though he's not hitting his shots, it's important for them to play him because teams respect him and they, they cover him and that helps create spacing. And when he said it, I kind of did a double take because that doesn't seem like the way the, the Bucks have been treating him lately. That, okay, if you miss your shots, well, we're going to take you out of the game. And and I do wonder if maybe he's they think he's doing a better job defensively in recent games. But it was just weird to hear Jason Kidd say that because that's, that's something we said on this podcast last week. This is something we said on this podcast last month. This is something we said on this, po- this podcast this summer that just Toledovich out there creates spacing. And uh, I do wonder if some sort of corner has been turned uh, in thinking about the Bucks offensively. But the the idea that after a game, Giannis would say, Miles creates spacing for us. And Jason would say, Toledovich create spacing for us like those seem like ideas that uh, the blogosphere and Buck's Twitter and and us on this podcast this seem that seems like something we've been talking about for a while and haven't really seen put into action so uh, I thought that was super fascinating and, and I do wonder if if some sort of co- corner has been turned there um going back to let's go to Jabari Parker um I was having a, a good conversation or maybe a, a couple of tweets back and forth with Brett uh, from Brew Hoop tonight. And we were talking about how in that first quarter, Jabari was playmaking, but it was aggressive playmaking. And, and, I, and I think in recent games that we've talked about, man, Jabari's passing a lot and Jabari is uh, being passive. And, and And I think there's a major distinction between him passing the ball and him being a playmaker and what I mean by that is the the assists he was getting early in the game weren't him trying to post somebody up and then having a height advantage and a weight advantage and making a weak pass out it was aggressive moves it was uh really thought I I mean thinking things through and attacking hard and then reacting to that and, and making decisive moves and and not messing around not taking his time not not being passive he was aggressive from the start and it it just felt like that was that was a big deal to me after seeing a a couple games where where he wasn't like that and and maybe maybe it was a little bit better on Saturday but I don't I don't think we'd seen this guy the guy that we saw tonight for a couple weeks out of Jabari It, it really did feel like uh him coming back out of his shell and finding that that old form that he'd had there for a couple weeks uh in in the start the end of December start of January did did you think he he kind of embodied that same kind of personality spirit etc well I think just in general the Bucks played with I think a lot more tempo today right and and obviously getting turnovers helps that significantly right because because you get out in the open court and the other team's going to be more disorganized and you're just gonna have better chances to score but um, but th- it just felt like Jabari was going downhill yep. way more tonight than we've seen in, in a while. And, and same with Giannis. I mean, Giannis had, had a number of plays similarly, but, um, they were able to get Jabari going early. Um, you know, he, he just started really well. He was doing a bit of everything, um, on the court and, and that was just kind of encouraging to see. And, you know, as the game wore on, you know, he has a block, he had three steals, um, you know, was doing work as a rebounder, he had uh, tied with Monroe for the most defensive rebounds uh, on the team with eight. 
Um, and, you know, again, seven assists, did have three turnovers. You know, him and Giannis both had a number of kind of like sloppy turnovers, especially in that first half where, um, you know, I, I got nervous because, I mean, what did the Bucks shoot in the second quarter? Like a billion percent. I mean, they, <laughs> they basically... They basically, I think that like in the first ten minutes that quarter, they shot like ninety percent or something, and they were, they only were winning the quarter by a couple points or something like that. So it was kind of a crazy thing where they were turning the ball over so much, and and obviously Houston was was still scoring themselves pretty easily. So they go to halftime, you know, only up sixty eight to sixty four, despite Jabari having twenty, Giannis having I think what do you have seventeen. Yeah, I didn't. I did so, not feel comfortable at the half. I will say. No, that. no, I I would agree. I, I definitely felt like it was, you know, uh, an unsustainable, uh, you know, formula that they were playing with. But um, you know, to their credit, they they never let the Rockets go on one of their big runs. Um, they never kind of let. You know, and I think a lot of it was because of the way that they were running them off the line. You know, they never let one of those, you know, four three pointers and you know two or three minute stretches go uh, where the game just kind of goes out of hand. And, you know, we talked about Eric Gordon last week. He was what, like a plus 38 or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> seven out of 17 threes. Um, tonight, he's three out of nine overall, three out of eight from three, only nine points in 28 minutes, a minus 10 overall. And and obviously that uh, that that kind of tells, I think, a, a big story about, about what, uh, what changed tonight. But, um, yeah, I mean, returning to Jabari for a second, I think – other than the fact that whenever it seemed like there were a number of situations where he had a, a, a switch with Pat Beverly on him and he looked completely Giannis and Jabari wanted nothing to do with Patrick they, Beverly. They wanted post. nothing. Nothing. Yeah, they wanted they, they, they were able to get the ball to Giannis a couple times when, when Beverly was fronting yeah. him, but um but he's pretty remarkable in his ability to uh to hang with bigger guys. I mean he's just a bulldog. Um, well, as as I had tweeted during the game, I the the leeway given to certain defensive players in throughout the league fascinates me um, because like I get let's let's call them quote unquote superstar calls offensively like I get those that's that's fine like that's how that's how it works in the league you get a certain amount of respect you get a you have a certain amount of scoring acumen fine and I know a bunch of Bucks fans were probably upset with the whistles Harden gets but okay that's how it works. But defensively, I just don't understand how there's some guys that are just allowed to do essentially whatever they want. Like Beverly hand checks literally every time up and down the floor and 10 times in every possession up and down the floor. And he never gets called for it. And like, I, I just, like, I, like, I don't comprehend it. Like, and there's other guys that get that kind of defensive leeway. And I'm just fascinated by how you're, how you get that and how you gain that that respect that okay sure you can hand check that's fine because there are like some of the guys that are regularly in defensive player of the year conversations regularly first team defense they get to do things that other people don't get to do on the floor well what's the the old the old saying well i don't know it might have been the pistons in the 80s i forget where where the saying originated but you know the idea that if you foul every time down the court (laughs) The referees yeah. can't call a foul every time, yeah, so they, yeah. it just sort of normalizes it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, and it's interesting, right? Because you don't think of the the Rockets as obviously being a defensive team, and clearly tonight, I mean, they hemorrhaged 123 points per 100, I think it was, um, to the Bucks, which is not good. Um, no. So this was a game the Bucks obviously, you know, ultimately kind of. I, I ironically, I think you could say certainly that their defense played a huge part in the game, but. But by the same token, um, you know, obviously offensively they they brought it as well. 
Um, and I th- thought the interesting thing was, um, you know, late in the game, uh, Gus Johnson at one point said, um, uh, and I, and if you were following me on Twitter, you noticed me bemoaning this, but I think he said the phrase, and now Jason Kidd wants his team to slow down. <laughs> um, and this was, of course, you know, when they, they extend the lead out to 11. Um, I think that, let me just check that. They extended the lead out to 11 on the Tony Snell 3 with 647 left. Rockets take a timeout. Okay, just wait before you get there. Yeah. I don't know why, but Tony Snell in the fourth quarter will find trailer threes from the top of the key. At no other point in the game, I feel like he, he never finds them at any other time. And then all of a sudden, there's something about fourth quarter, five minutes left. Tony Snell will find a trailer top of the key three. <laughs> and, and with Tony Snell's shot, he has so much arc. On, like There's so much to his shot that it just hangs in the air forever. And, and like it's it's the perfect shot for a big moment because the crowd can kind of build as the balls in the air like can kind of get themselves ready yeah and if it falls through then i mean everyone just loses control but uh, there's there's just something about that tony snell three that trailer three and i swear he doesn't get it any other time and he shoots it at like 75 percent in the fourth quarter and, and and there's no logic to it in my head, but that's just what it feels like. Anecdotally, anecdotally feels like he hits it literally every time. Yeah, Sorry. I was gonna say I think he I think he hit one a big one in the Cleveland game yep. before Christmas as well. Yep. Um, because obviously you think about it, like Tony Snell normally is not in the middle of the floor. Yeah. Because, why would he be there? Why would he be you know, trailing a play? Like it doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason for him to be there in sort of a normal action because <laughs> you want him sort of in the corner spacing. Um, Sorry. But. Let's well. Let's talk about this though in the fourth quarter because we've obviously talked a lot this season about the Bucks' struggles in the clutch, and this year, you know, they they get the lead up to eleven, and the Rockets come right back and score five straight to make it a six-point game, um, and uh, Jabari misses a three, Harden gets a rebound, and they have a chance to to cut into it further, but then those sweet sweet hands of Greg Monroe <laughs> come up with the steal on James Harden. Um, Monroe gets a layup uh, 10 seconds later to make a 112-104. Anderson answers with a super long three that, you know, was like your typical Ryan Anderson backbreaker. Um, and, you know, Brogdon misses a couple of free throws thereafter, which was like yeah. killer. I was like, oh, my God. You're missing, you know, Brogdon, 90% free throw shooter in college last year, uh, missing a pair down the stretch. That was not fun. But um, he redeems himself. He just – Harden just makes a terrible pass and Brogdon just like catches with two hands. Um, he tries to go the length of the court. Giannis is there to tip it in. Um, and then Giannis, uh, very calmly with the clock running down, dribbles up and, and buries a, a pull-up jumper uh, with late clock action going to, to make it 116-109. That was a huge shot, I thought, to kind of keep them at arm's length. And, you know, you kind of look at what kind of went from there on out. Um, you know, uh, Giannis fouled Harden, made one at two. Monroe gets a short bucket. Monroe then gets the ball back, um, hits a couple free throws. That made it 10. And at that point, then you're at two minutes. And at that point, it was like, oh, this isn't going to be a close game. The Bucks are going to yeah. run away with this. And, uh, you know, I, I thought Giannis gets fouled, hits a couple free throws. And then, um, you know, ultimately, I thought the, uh, uh, the real capper on the game, of course, was <laughs> – um, Giannis late in the late in the final minute there, you know the Bucks are running clock. 
Um, I think 23 seconds left. He's got to put up a shot with the clock running down. He sizes it up. Uh, Nene from the right wing pulls up for a very long three-pointer, which you know, befittingly of of the night, he buries and uh, treats the crowd to uh, some James Harden-esque shimmies as he goes. Is down that what he did? He, I was trying to. Fit, I yeah. I didn't see a replay. I heard, or I, I guess I saw on my timeline that that he, he gave a little shimmy. In my mind, when he let it go. Okay, so I could only think of Brandon Jennings on that shot. Yeah. Because there was there was no thought to attack the rim. You you knew you knew it was gonna be a pull up from the wing. And normally Jennings would shoot that on the left side, obviously with his left hand. But just seeing Giannis just hang out over there, take a pull up from a foot behind the line, whatever it was, and then just immediately start backpedaling. And in my mind, all I could think was, you know what? That's a Jennings swagger three. That that's all it was. And again, I, I understand how upset people are going to be when I compare Brandon Jennings to Giannis. But just the the no no chance of attacking the rim, just absolutely taking a pull up three, and then just swagger dancing on the way out. And it was like, yeah, that's that's awesome. And I asked him after the game. I said, that last three you knew was going in, right? And he just goes, uh. I was feeling he's he's like I was feeling good and I, and I had to take a shot but yeah when I let it go I knew it was going in and I was like okay thank you like I I just needed you to admit that to me um but yeah that that was the capper and I mean that that helps you go out on a on a celebratory note uh tonight to win that game Yeah I mean that's the kind of shot that Brandon Jennings would shoot you know uh if they were down one point that's the shot yep. that you know Giannis is only going to take when they're up 10 <laughs> Correct. He's looking to put an exclamation point so uh so he's not quite at you know LeBron level where he's taking you know 30 foot threes just for the hell of it because yeah. he's good at him um but hey you know good to, uh, good to get some of that experience uh shooting extra long threes in games but um yeah I mean you look at the final line uh Giannis uh hit a couple threes tonight um, the, the first one was kind of a little bit of almost a little bit of a questionable, you know, off a pick and roll. He just pulls up left wing that, yeah. uh, that shot he, you know, he, he's kind of begun to like a lot, um, for a big three, um, and, uh, and, you know, finishes 31 points. Um, you know, a, another good scoring night for him. He got going early, um, just ahead of Jabari with 28. Uh, the 40 point night, Eric remains elusive for Jabari, 20 points in the first half, never quite it. Never kind of kind of got going, but um, overall, I mean, really tough to to find much to fault with with Jabari's night uh, in the grand scheme of things. I thought this was one of um, one of his best nights. You know, he had some some misses in the in the second half for sure, but um, I think you know the the complete package in terms of passing with purpose, uh, rebounding, making some plays on the defensive end. I mean, I don't think he was. I don't think he was exposed too badly. Um, this is a, the kind of team that can expose him very badly, and, and I thought he was fine. So um, so happy for Jabari, especially after the uh, the benching uh, in, in the last game for him to kind of bounce back and, and really play, uh, have a big night. And, uh, you know, second straight season at the against the Rockets, the Bradley Center, the Jabari comes up with a big night and, um, you know, helps the Bucks to a win and, and obviously uh, a lot to be a lot to be excited about tonight with a lot of really nice performances and um, I guess we'll find out Wednesday if uh, if it was a one night thing or, or if it's something that the Bucks are really going to build on. I'm going to quote Giannis on the way out here. I, I asked uh, I mean just the kind of opening statement and you could hear the relief in his voice when he said it feels good. I think everybody did a great job tonight contributing. It just feels good to win man and 
Yep. It does. It, it definitely feel this recording this podcast felt a whole lot better tonight than it has for, uh, I don't even know the last week, last two weeks. Um, so yeah, I I'm, I'm right along with Giannis right there. Um, But yeah, I think that's going to be it. We will talk to you tomorrow here on Locked on Bucks. We'll hopefully have more happy things to talk about. Um, But we will see you tomorrow. That was Frank Mann. I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.